call it. Welcome to episode 70 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy G. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donna Caternum, watched two films from Italian horror director Dario Argento, Deep Red or Profondo Rosso from 1975 and Suspiria from 1977. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. All right, we're live, and we're we're playing. extremely live. Yes, and this is a home game in Donica territory because we're doing a Jallo week, kind of. Kind. Did of. you almost like think that when you started saying the word territory? Did you think you were about to say your surname? It was like your brain kind of stopped functioning there. My no, Donica territory. No, not not quite. I don't know, but it's like I I'm not quite feeling myself this morning. I will admit that. Just what time did you for wake everybody up? out there? Uh, six. And what does that mean? Four hours ago? Yes, exactly right. Oh, this laptop is still on British time. That's the only true time. Indeed, yeah. Well, actually, no. Do you know why Spain is the time zone it is? Uh, is it Franco thing or something? Yeah, because Franco... I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> like, fr- Spain was so busted up and, like, you know, um, after the Civil War that they couldn't quite uh, get to their feet to join World War Two. But as a tribute to the fatherland, they set their time zone to the same as Germany. Oh. And it's still lovely. that way. Isn't that oh, lovely? Yeah, because yeah, that doesn't make sense, because Portugal uses the same time zone as the UK. Exactly. We should be on the same time zone as the UK, but we're not. We're on, on the one with Germany. As a, We're on Nazi time. We are literally on Nazi <laughs> time. <laughs> we're all living on Nazi time. Anyway, was this your first uh, Italian horror Jallo movie? I think it was. I can't recall any others. I think that's the kind of thing I would probably be aware of if I'd watched uh, something dubbed into Italian before. It's mad that it just did, historically does not bother <clears throat> the Italians that everything is dubbed. Like, they've got a big thing in their industry with, you get an actor from America, he'll act in his own language, his co-star will act in her language, and they'll just, they overdub literally everything. For Federico it's- Fellini used to film with, like, opera music playing as the people like to get the characters into the right mood just to help their acting because he was going to overdub everything anyway that makes sense i think that's good to get performances out of actors i just it's such a strange sensation for me i'm really unaccustomed to watching things where i'm not hearing the actor's real voice yeah i guess we should start all right so we're talking about these two films we've got deep red from 1975 and suspiria Mm. from 1977 these two dario argento films starting with deep red which version did you watch because there are like about 10 different cuts. I believe I watched the definitive one. It had a title card at the start basically saying it was the definitive version. I think they cut it together in the early 90s. Yeah, I saw the same one. It said like, mm, it's been cut together. There was some audio missing, mm. blah, 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 blah. We did our best. Here's what's left. Yeah. It was a little, a little bit more optimistic and positive than my reading there. But yeah, I watched the same one. The director's cut, dubbed in Italian. It's 126 minutes long. It's yes. got all the humorous and romantic scenes cut back into it. Is that the only version you've ever seen? Yes. 
It's the only version I've ever seen. <laughs> you just mentioned the comedy and romantic scenes. I would be the first to admit that... So just to break down Jalo a little bit, because I think I've done it on this podcast before anyway, but it's a little disjointing, I, I feel, because, I mean, the way the, the whole genre emerged was it's based on these uh, paperback novels that was like Ad- Agatha Christie and Dashiell Hammett and people like that, you know, you know detective novels. And they would have been considered like trashy and the covers were yellow, so giallo. And then giallo movies emerged from that, that kind of story. So these are like, the slasher movement was birthed from the giallo movement, right? But for some reason, they still felt a kind of an obligation to plot with the giallos. So it has this strange thing where there's plots and stories going on, but really, as you can tell, whenever the murders happen, the filmmakers are only interested in the murder scenes. Would you agree with that? In what in, in what sense? What do you mean? Well, like... You mean that they're not interested in the romance and humor elements? They certainly don't give it as much gusto. Because, the, the, because the, like, this is... Okay, so there's a few boxes to tick with your Jalo movies. Killer with black gloves, fine. A person investigating a crime who's never a police officer. The police officers are always completely inept, right? Tick that off. Just exaggerated, exaggerated crazy kill scenes is the other one. And then, but the main kind of touchstone that's just fun to watch it once you get into it is just too much plot, just really convoluted, complicated plots. Because we're used to with films like this, like for example, I one of my favorite films ever is John Carpenter's Halloween, and for so many reasons. But chief amongst them is the fact that he took that genre and just distilled it to its bare elements, to the only things you need. It's like, why does he want to kill these ladies? Just because he wants to. That's it, you know. But in Jallos, they always need a reason. Like one of my favorite ones, I think I've mentioned it on here before, is um, Mario Bava's film, Bay of Blood, where it's about a property deal. Somebody wants to own all this property around this lake. And literally, there is a scene in it where a bunch of young people go into an abandoned house and they all get murdered horribly. But that is like your textbook one. You're just, you'll be enjoying the killings or whatever. And then it'll just cut to weird dialogue and unmasking scenes where you find out what the killer's motivations were when really we don't care in the slightest, you know? And that is very much the case with Deep Red. Deep Red is as textbook jello as you get. I can't believe I hadn't seen it before because, well, I loved it anyway. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? I thought it was great. I really, if you told me that I was going to be watching an Italian horror film from 1975 with no recorded sync audio, where most of the actors were speaking English that were then dubbed into Italian it would have like a Mr. Bean-esque slapstick, a couple of slapstick scenes of people climbing out of a ridiculously tiny car. Yeah. If you had told me that after watching this film, I would have been like nervous turning on and off the lights and like looking over my shoulder when I was going to the toilet, I would have thought you were insane because I talked mad shit about slashers when we saw Scream. I was like, it's not scary when people are getting stabbed. But this film did bother me. It did scare me. Really? And it's all, yeah, it's almost 50 years old. I found it creepy. Very, very creepy. Wow. It bothered me. I found it scary. When did you find it scary? The definitely, well, okay, first of all, when that, uh, when that little doll thing comes out. Oh, that is scary. What the yeah, hell yeah. is that? That is scary. That's really scary. That, that thing, thing needs to be burned. <laughs> yeah. Even, I would take the ashes of that. I could not agree 1975. more. 1975. Throw that into a volcano. That thing needs to get gone. I I never wish to see anything that looks like that again in my life. 
some of the murders are a bit cheesy. Obviously, they're from the 1970s. And also the Goblin soundtrack, that kind of prog rock soundtrack yeah. over the top of the murders is a bit like... Someone's about to get stabbed out. And Particularly it with really the first kill. Fit. The first kill could yeah. have been creepy, but then it just kicks into this it's just weird... Bang, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes like, it goes overpowered... And you're, yeah, it takes away any of the tension of yeah. the scene, which is a bit of a problem, but I which don't know. Which does beg the, like, the question, actually. What counts as prog rock? Is that prog rock what they were doing there? Suspiria I, definitely just, sounds more like what I think of as prog rock. Yeah, I, I just read that off of the uh, Wikipedia article about the band Goblin. They're yeah. a, a jazz prog rock. I would say that the soundtrack to Deep Red's a bit like Lalo Schifrin, someone like that. It has that kind of jazzy rock like energy to it it Lalo reminds me Schifrin. a bit like if you yeah Lalo Schifrin he's, he was he did a ton of ton of scores uh, the one that comes to mind is like Dirty Harry score oh okay that's pretty iconic like the yeah they have that kind of energy to them so I mean of the time period it makes sense but it's very strange to see someone creeping up to murder someone and just have like that kind of jazzy score behind it we we're accustomed to something a bit more like you know just single notes of like were there any other um, um scenes that uh creeped you out yeah like again we we always say spoilers right from the start so clearly these are spoiler spoilers but mm. when would the reveal that what he saw when he was walking into the apartment wasn't a painting. Oh yeah, that's just brilliant. just a lady standing in the mirror. Because I went back and then watched that to, to see early on and that's exactly what happens like 20 minutes into the film. He sees the woman Oh wow, I didn't mirror. do that. Wow, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's It's exactly the same. It's very scary. That is creepy as hell, that bit. Um, yeah. That really, that really shocked that. me this time. Yeah, yeah. So wow, I'm delighted. I, I, I like the plotting of this. Oh yeah, all the stuff with the house. I loved all the stuff with the house. Like, um, oh, that the, house the old is school. creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the big, the, uh, not the school. It isn't a school, is it? It's just a big house. The, the house one where the family lives. The one where he climbs in the window and all and that. he chips away the paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, sorry. I thought he that was just the, the house. Then they go the to the school, the school afterwards. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All the stuff with the house, I thought was excellent because it's just him walking around again, like a, 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 a ridiculously creepy building in mm. the middle of the night at times where you're like. Why don't you just wait till the morning? Yeah, like, what yeah, are you yeah, doing? Yeah, Why sure. are you going in? He has this look on his face. He's like, "Yeah, I need to go back in." And it's three o'clock in the morning. I need to go back in into an an entirely dark building to go and look at something that someone painted on the wall twenty years ago. I'm glad you had such a good time with it. I like. I hate to tell you this, but this is, this is probably the best Jallo film I've seen. Like, and I like them a lot, but I was blown away by this. I thought this was absolutely terrific, and it kind of it builds a momentum that by the end, just explodes into insanity, and I'm all there for it. Like, the kills get gnarlier and gnarlier as it goes. Do you have a favorite kill, do you think? Uh, I, th- I think the kills, the, the ones that made me laugh were the the death of the mother and son, like the death yeah, of the baddies. The Gaudi death. Like, when he, when, he, when he gets, first of all, when when the uh, son gets his head run over by a car. Oh, I mean, It's supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. Of course, of course. It is very yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she gets her head cut off by the lift going down. Which is very good I mean, also. Is, again, is hilarious. It's just the, the chain cutting through her. Or the lady neck. who gets drowned and burnt to death. Yeah, that one is the one that probably looks the worst, I would say. It's maybe aged the worst. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's something my wife often talk about. It's like, uh, if you, it's interesting to trace 
the color of fake blood throughout cinema history. Like what would have had an impact red, back yeah. in the day? It's just, Deep you know, red. it's completely, you know, lost its impact now. Com- like completely, you know? It looks so bad. It does look <laughs> yeah, like paint yeah, yeah. or something. It, well, yeah, yeah, it's literally paint. As it, as it was, but yeah, it just, it does not hold up at all. Whereas like, have you seen, what's it called? Oh, it's, yeah, it's simple enough. Have you seen the French film Revenge from a few years ago? No. I mean, might I be so bold as to say it's like, you know, super sexy it's just a super sexy film so this lady uh who it's the you know he's the bit on the side of some dude uh some rich banking dude let's say he goes to a house out in the middle of nowhere to go hunting he takes her with her then he has to go do a bit of business and his two friends come along and one of them tries to rape her and then she ends up running away and um you know they they kill her, or at least they think they've killed her. And then she kind of repairs herself a la, you know, Homer in like the Rambo wild with the with the ghost chili, or yeah, yeah, like Rambo or something, and goes back and takes her revenge on all of them. There, But there's a scene near the end where the house is just swimming with blood, absolutely <laughs> swimming with blood. And it, like, when comparing it to this, it was just like, I don't know, I think it must have something to do with what audience expect what audiences expect because i don't think dario argento said i don't give a fuck how the blood looks i would imagine he you know tailored this to what would would have shocked people back in the day but it's just a case of the more and more exposure there is and what actually shocks people where like yeah it's the blood in revenge when is this film like revenge blood. from it's just a few years ago there yeah well, that's a long, long time. Bear in mind, Deep Red is from 1975. <laughs> Just think of all the shit that's happened since then. Yeah. Almost 50 years. Mm. Do you think you'd go and watch more Jallos after seeing this? Not if you're saying that this is the best one. I, I kind of got that vibe when watching it. I was like, I can see all the people who have heard talk about this film, Edgar Wright, Quentin Tarantino, mm. various people of that ilk who tend to watch a lot of stuff from the 70s and were heavily influenced by it. I feel like I've seen enough, you know? I was like, I like this. I, it was interesting you what you said about the plotting, that there's too much plot here. I didn't find that at all. I no? liked all of that. No, I liked it because I didn't, I couldn't predict who the baddie was. Everything I predicted was completely wrong. And I, I again, going back to, it's a film from 50 years ago that threw me off, like threw me off the scent. I thought that the girlfriend was going to be the baddie. Yeah, me too. And then it was, and then they did like a double reveal and it worked quite well. And I liked that reveal of the, the very, well, towards the end when he's walking in the square mm. and he has that realization. He's like, wait a minute, the drunk guy was standing next to me. He can't have been the one who murdered uh, the German yeah. lady. So I like that. I, th- I just think that holds up. I wonder what this film would be like watching the version with all the romance and humor cut out of it. I wonder if that would function as like a stronger thriller or if you need some of that silliness to balance out. But they're so over the top, those scenes. They are like 1970s yes. European comedy. Yes. Like, the, like, the, even like something 20, like 2021, 2022 European comedy. Even something like the police officers, you know, constantly like munching sandwiches and just being completely inept. It is. It's yeah. very, very over the top. Um, Inspector Clouseau. But I suppose it's like, so the first one of these that I would have seen was a film called um, Blood and Black Lace. Mario Bava's big one. Actually, that's really good. I would recommend you check that out. That's really, really good. It's like a, about a house full of models that get gradually massacred. You know, it's so about the aesthetic of everything. 
Um, but I remember, like, I watched that um, years ago, uh, just thinking, like, what the hell is this? Because me, yeah, me and my younger brother, I just, you know, randomly picked a horror movie out of a list or whatever and said, okay, let's have a, let's have a go at this. And we were watching it, like, <laughs> like we enjoyed it tremendously, but it felt akin to watching something like um, The League of Gentlemen. Do you remember when The League of Gentlemen <laughs> came out and you were kind of going, I don't know what this is. Like, but mm. I like it. Like, I, I really, really enjoy the League of Gentlemen. But I, particularly, yeah, like, you know, and now that society's had time to reflect, and they're, you know, they acknowledge that. Oh my God, it was going for comedy and horror and achieving both on mass. Yeah. But when it was coming out, like, I would tune in every Friday night and just going, "What is this? I just don't understand what the fuck I'm watching. <laughs> it's bananas." I felt like that watching um, Bay of Blood, and then. No, not Bay of Blood, um, Blood and Black Lace, and sort of got it, like, the next one I watched was actually Suspiria, and I wasn't too into that, more on that later, but then I got around to the rest of Mario Bava's stuff and Dario Argento's stuff, and I was kind of like, ah, it's it's kind of acknowledged that there are aspects of these films that are not great, but they're really, really going for it all the way, you know? It's kind of like, like the, there's nothing cynical about these films. They're almost like they're almost joyful in how much they're going for every single aspect of it. You know, even the goblin scoring is like, let's do something fun and interesting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm generally like, I'll, I'll throw on one of these anytime I have a a spare minute and I haven't, I haven't seen it before. Cause I, I, I enjoy the shtick. I enjoy what they're doing with them. Yeah. I, I vastly underestimated this film. I was not looking forward to watching it, as I think I said last week, but I think that's been the best part of doing this podcast so far is usually films that you've brought to the table are things I've really enjoyed that I would never have seen otherwise, like mm. Tuki Buki or something like that. You know, I would never Tukibuki. have saw that out on my own. So yeah, I, I, think, I, really about, I, I, I think about Tuki Buki regularly. In, particularly, I, I, in <clears> particular, I think about um, the obese gay guy you know the <laughs> guy who's trying to groom yeah. uh, the main character <laughs> I, I love remember. him <laughs> I think about the guy I think about like the guy out in the jungle like they are not in the jungle just the guy at the side of the roads dressed like a caveman oh yeah remember that what was that all about or the, the, anyway that's yeah, the kind yeah, of thing yeah. like I, I would never have seen these films any other way and you know it's one of these ones where you feel like you've expanded your knowledge of the world in some way for sure and plus like you like you said I mean it is it's enjoyable. It's a fun movie, you know? Yeah. Like, by the time the elevator takes the mother's head off, I was just applauding. I was just like, this is fantastic what's happening. It's just bananas. And the film ends about five seconds later then after that, doesn't it? It just takes the head. Yeah, I, we're like, done. I think both of these films have fairly similar endings where yeah. after the final beat, it's just like, okay, roll credits. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Which is a very old school move. But sure, I mean, cinema in... Italy, in general, has always just been a factory. It still is. You know, they just churn them out. They, like, if you look at how many films Dario Argento has made in his career, it's fairly impressive. And also, like, they were, it was all very um, familial. Like, I, there's an a interview, it's one of the first episodes of the podcast, um, History of Horror, this guy, I forget his name now, he, he also, he's also the founder of Fright Fest, but he's a big... Um, a giallo buff and he went over to like Italy first in the 70s and it's just everybody knows everybody and works together I mean if you look at the do you know who wrote uh, Once Upon a Time in the West? Asia Argento 
<laughs> the unborn fetus of Azio Argento. Sergio Leone, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Dario Argento together. Those are some names. Yeah, some yeah, exactly. Boys. And you'd think very different filmmakers, you know, but, you know, all mates because that's the Italian film industry. Like, everybody works together. Everybody works all the time. It's cool. It's a family. Mm. It's our thing. Cosa Nostra. Family. That was Vin Diesel from the Fast Movies. That's lovely. Family. I am Groot. I am Groot. Yeah. Have you got uh, any interesting stuff about this cast? I do, but just before that, I was going to say, like, uh, I, it's interesting to me that they haven't remade this. I saw that George Romero was they? linked to a 3D remake in 2010, which sounds horrendous. Yes, it does. And just in, in every way. But it just it feels like this is a kind of plot is ripe for a remake. I like that early scene where the German lady is explaining the kind of like, you know, when she goes to the big talk and then she's like, someone in this room's a, yeah. mur- a murderer. I think in a modern film that could be done really well. Well, it's just also like you, you just brought up that um, scene. The film is just such a mass exercise in composition. Like every single shot and scene is it's, just it's, framed fantastically and well thought out. say that out by and, both of these films. I yeah. thought what was interesting in terms of camera work for Deep Red is there's a lot of close-ups of swooping over things, mm. like really, really close up on objects, which now has the feel of modern advertising. The <laughs> same way that a camera would you know, like, you're swoop, right. over, yeah. swoop over like a Big Mac or something. So it feels a little strange to see it in a horror film. You're talking about the miniature sequences with the black gloves handling yeah. the objects, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I thought those, I thought those were um, very interestingly done, yeah. Just him fondling little toys and stuff like that. It's cool. Yeah, well, to get into the cast, first of all, we had David Hemmings, who played Marcus Daly. Also in Blow Up, am I right? He was. That was his big break. Mm. Uh Friend of the show, David Hemmings, was a child star and boy soprano. He was also considered for the role of Alex in a scrapped adaptation of A Clockwork Orange. A scrapped was Mick adaptation? Jagger. Mm-hmm. Who, who was going to... In the 60s. Uh, interesting. Who was going to make it? Uh, Winston Churchill. Nice. I'm on board. I don't know who was going to direct it, but it was scrapped because of obscenity laws at the time. This was in the mid to late 60s. Fair enough. Then David Hemmings in 1967 released an album called Happens, which is actually a decent 60s sort of Dylan Birds style album. It's not bad. I listened to it. Yeah, Put a link okay. in the show notes. This guy, he could do everything. He was a boy soprano. He was a singer-songwriter. He was boy a soprano star. is like, yeah, an opera singer whose balls haven't dropped, essentially. That. It's not, not as far as Castrato, but getting there. It was getting that way. In 1968, he appeared in Barbarella, a film whose villain famously <laughs> inspired the name of which 80s band? I do not know. Duran Duran. Ah, yes, this I remember classic, seeing that. Classic trivia. In the building where we used to go for uh, um, scans for uh, to see Aaron, my daughter, there was a, a lawyer's office, and they were called Duran and Duran, and I used to look at the sign going, come on, lads, just... <laughs> Just <laughs> drop do the it. end. Just it's drop cleaner. the end. Like, yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen Barbarella? No. That's a bananas film. I mean, Jane Fonda is super hot in it, but uh, mm. her. <laughs> the plot is this lady, Barbarella, wanders around this planet and just has sex with everyone. I'm listening. That's it. Nice. In the 80s, David Hemmings reached the peak of his artistic output when he directed episodes of The A Team and Quantum Leap. Cool. I'm on board. Excellent. Guy, this guy could do it all. 
and uh, he pitied fools. Towards the end of his life, he appeared as Cassius in Gladiator and Mr. Shermerhorn in Gangs of New York. Do you know who either of those characters are? Because I couldn't. No, and I, I'm a big Gans, Gangs of New York fan. That's why I thought. I thought yeah. you would know Mr. Schmer, Shermerhorn. No, who the hell is that? Cannot I think. No, I, I didn't do enough to Google it. Hemmings died in 2003 at the age of 62 of a heart attack in Bucharest, Romania, on the film set of Blessed, or Blessed, maybe it was about Brian Blessed, a horror film starring <laughs> Heather Graham and James Purefoy. I'm not familiar. Living the dream. <laughs> Me neither, but that's a good way to go out. James Purefoy. Like, I'm he... finally working with Heather, Heather Graham, and now was, I, I'm done. I did it all. Did you ever watch James Purefoy? Did you ever watch that TV show he was in where he was a weird serial killer? No. Oh, what's that called again? It's terrible. I feel like he was a guy who was supposed to go on to do... Like, there was a talk talk at some point of, like, he could be the next James Bond, much like any English actor. Uh, yeah, I mean, James he's Bond. a good-looking lad, I suppose, is what that's rooted in, but that I think that TV show was I terrible. saw him in something not that long ago, and he was a baddie. What was that? I mean, he. I would imagine he does good baddie. He does bad, evil-looking baddie. Bad baddie. Oh, he was in Altered Carbon. That's what I saw him in. The first season of Altered Carbon. Which I've heard is actually not bad. It was good. I made it through about three episodes of the second season. And I couldn't finish it. But the first one's great. It's the Following. Watching. Did you ever watch the television show The Following? No. Oh, it's What's not that good. About? It's really it's not, not good. good. Okay, no, 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 no. I don't want to know. Interestingly not good, though. <laughs> okay. Well, next up in the cast list is Daria Nicolodi. Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. As Gianna Brezzi, Daria Nicolodi was married to director Dario Argento from 1974 to 1985. She's the mother of Asi Argento, born in 1975. Nicolodi also had a daughter named Anna from a previous marriage who died in a car accident in 1994. Rough. Asia Argento also has a daughter named Anna, named after her half-sister. That's Nicolodi nice appeared in Suspiria as well as Woman at Airport which is a, an important role. When are they at the airport in Suspiria? Right at the start. Oh, yeah, yeah, when she gets into the taxi. But rather more importantly, she co-wrote the script with her husband. She died on, on my birthday, 26th of November, 2020. No cause of death was given. I was in Italy at the time. I didn't do it. <laughs> Just want to clear that. That was not a birthday celebration on my part. Whatever. And of course, Ezra Argento was 37 when she had sex with 17-year-old Jimmy Bennett, who she had known since she was seven. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's important trivia to add. <laughs> it's very pertinent to talking about Deep Red. <laughs> yes, she is a pedophile. Next up is Masha Merrill, who played... Masha Merrill. Masha Merrill, who played Helga Ullmann. One thing about the dubbing that I didn't like is it reminds me when I when I lived in Spain, I talked to Spanish people who were like, I liked Inglorious Bastards. I thought it was really good. And then they told me that they watched it all entirely dubbed in Spanish. And it's just, I feel like when things, when characters speak yeah. different languages, it means something. Yeah. So I don't like seeing, that's my main argument against dubbing is like, there should be a breakdown of communication somewhere. Some characters should understand what others are saying. Another shouldn't. My main argument with dubbing, and yeah, I know, because particularly in the case of Inglorious Bastards, which is a trilingual film, my main argument is just you lose, I would say, up to about 50% of the actor's performance. You don't get it, like. Sure, definitely. The only films I can get on board with it is 
are ones like this, where kind of dubbing was the order of the day. It's just how it is. There's no not dubbed version of this film, even if you get it in Italian, you know? Although uh, for Suspiria, I watched the Italian dub, but apparently the English dub uses some of the audio, some of the sync audio. I would say that's probably true, yeah, because I watched the English of well, uh, and Suspiria. That's what it says on Wikipedia. And it, well, it's, it syncs up, like, you know, the main character particularly. Yeah. Well, I watched the Italian one because, you know, I'm cultured. Nice. Anyway, Masha Meril uh, played Helga Ullman. Masha Meril, born in Rabat, Morocco, in 1940. She's descended from Russian and Ukrainian nobility. Those guys are both friends. Her full name was Princess Maria Magdalena Vladimirovna Gagarina of House, Gaga, of House Gagarin, a okay. family exiled to France during the Russian Revolution. She is a princess. And uh, which character is this again? The Germany lady. This is this is okay. why I brought up language, because there's not really much to suggest that she's a German lady, given that she's speaking Italian the same as everyone else, mm. although the actress is saying words in English. She's, you can see, the, see her lips moving and saying words in English. She's the first kill, right? She is. She's the psychic. She worked with uh, both Jean-Luc Godard and Louis Buñuel. She played René, a friend of Catherine Deneuve's Severine in Belle de Jour. Okay. You haven't seen Belle de Jour, right? No, I saw it uh, years ago, um, but didn't ah. finish it because I watched it late night on... Yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah, I know yeah. why you didn't finish it. I and get it. <laughs> it's like Blue is the Warmest Color, I understand. I did finish during mm-hmm. Blue is the Warmest Color. No, I wish I didn't say that. That's bad. <laughs> I really like that, that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's me who's the bad one there. Finally, the, f- the fourth member of the cast, because there were only four people in this film... All the others were just the usual, like, hey, if he was in some stuff, I don't know why it was. The only other interesting person is uh, Clara Calamai as uh, Martha Manganiello. Who's that? She is the old, the the murderer, the old lady, the old lady murdery lady, the baddie. Oh, yeah, right. I, so you've done your research and I I had a particularly hectic week, so I actually don't know this. You know the film, you know the pictures that she shows of her as an actor? They're probably real. I don't know. Yeah. I assume they're one real of them is quite an iconic image. So she must have yeah. been a very successful actor in, uh, in her She day. was. So she's the only cast member who didn't say her lines in English because mm. she's an old school Italian. She's like, I'm not saying these fucking English nonsense. You're just going to dub me over. But in the final film, she was dubbed over by another actress, Issa Bellini. So her voice was never, ever used in any capacity, which, again, highlights the bizarre nature of that non-sync dubbing audio, mm. which is mental. But yeah, Calamai was a big name in Italian cinema in the 30s and 40s. She's particularly famed for her role in uh, the 1942 film The Jester's Supper, commonly credited as the first time that an actress got i ragazzi, the lads, out in an, in an Italian film. Hmm. Calamai was not happy with the scene, saying in an interview that it was not in the script and she'd been coerced into it. The lads out Although scene. It did, yeah, it did prove massively popular with many men making multiple trips to see the film and cinema. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the only option back then. Plus, it was 1942. There was a lot going on. These guys needed this. There were lads out in 1942? Film. My God. Yeah, this was, there was another one, I think, in 1941, which is... There's two films around the same time where there's an argument of like which one counts for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah, 1942, that's like what the left or the right. I was doing. Something like that. Yeah. It was like whether or not you could see everything. It was too late. <laughs> I've seen it all. I've seen everything. She'd been retired for a number of years before agreeing to the role as the scary baddie in Profondo Rosso. Legend. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
and she she must be dead. <laughs> I haven't even, even noted that, but she must have died a long, long time ago. I should Actually, pour up. Kind of, I mean, I know this. I know this film's old, but I mean from the seventies. But a lot of the cast members just died, sort of around COVID times or just before, like just in the last couple of years. But I don't think any of them have. <sighs> I don't think any of them died from COVID. The curse of deep red. Yes, finally, <laughs> they made it to their late seventies. Most of them. Uh, they're Italians. You, you, they're supposed to live forever. <laughs> that reminds Not me of uh, one of my favorite Norm Macdonald moments ever. When somebody told him about the um, the death of Ray Manzarek, he responded, "The curse of the doors." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a classic. Hi. Shall we talk a little bit about the plot of Deep Red? Hell yeah, let's do it. So, how does it start? Okay, so you start. You start with the. There's like a. It starts with the murder. The murder, but we don't really know what's happening. It's Christmas in a house, and one person stabs another one, and then a kid picks up a knife. Oh, yeah, that's right. the knife falls at the kid's feet. I thought the kid was a girl, but obviously not, because it was the drunk guy, Carlo. There's another girly boy in Suspiria. Maybe they were into them. Yeah, it was the 70s. Very death in Venice. Did you ever hear the plot of death in Venice? Which one's that again? Is that the one? Who's in death death in Venice? I don't know. It is. A, it's a. It's a famous movie as well. But I haven't seen the movie. I haven't read the book. I've just read a synopsis. But basically, it's the story of Thomas Mann being a tr- like really, really, really attracted oh, yeah, to a young Dirk, boy, Dirk Bogard. And I'd, like, it's a real thing. He wrote a novella about a time when he went to Venice and was just crazy attracted to this young Polish boy. So, yeah. Well, I went to Venice, so <laughs> nice. I get it. See any hot boys? Only. That's all I saw. Apparently, there's canals there, but I never saw them. All right. So the next thing that happened, 20 years later, we're in Turin, and it's the big parapsychology conference thing. And we, we see this uh, the psychic medium, Helga Ullmann. Nice. And then she starts babbling on that someone in the room is a baddie. Someone in the room is a moiderer. You've killed someone, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do psychic the same way that they do psychic in South Park. Just... <laughs> Well, it must be, I and mean, just imagine the effect that would have of having to endure the sick and twisted thoughts of another person. What's that a reference that's to? I, that's why I've done nothing. These are just words out of my mouth. So next, Helga's back in her house, and uh, some guy comes in and slices her up and puts her head onto a shard of glass in the window. Yes. That feels, I respect that level of recycling. You break a window and you're like, aha, I've made what, could double as a sort of knife out of glass. Mm. So I'm going to use that to finish off this Joyman lady. That's a big, uh, that's a big jello one. The smash through the window and then glass in the neck. They like that. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. There's a lot. It's neck is where it's, it's all about the neck in these films. They're going for the jugular. Yeah, a lot of neck action. A lot of necking. And Marcus Daly, who's a jazz musician. We, there's a scene what earlier on which is really nice. I remember reading it in Transpotting and thinking, what is necking? Kissing. That's kissing. It's smooching. Yeah. Okay. Doing kisses. <laughs> Marcus well, Daly's a jazz musician. We see a scene of him uh, playing a bit of jazz earlier on, which is really nicely shot. They're in like a big it hall. Is. Yeah. Or like there looks like they're in a church or something or a crypt. It's really nice. Yeah. And uh, but the advice he gives to the musicians is kind of like, no, you're too good. Be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not quite my tempo. 
So Marcus Daly sees Big Helga getting slammed onto onto a window pane, enduring some window pane, and uh, he runs upstairs <laughs> and goes to see if he can resuscitate her, but he's not to be done. I think he takes her off of the window, which seems irresponsible, but it's 1975. Yeah, you're not to supposed there. to move people. Yeah, if someone has been impaled on a shard of glass, you should not move them. This is this part of the film that I didn't really understand. The police turn up and basically treat him as like, they're like, hey, do you want to walk around and have a look at the crime scene? They're kind of like, what do you think about this? He's a jazz musician. Or they treat him like he's, like he's some kind of expert on murder. And then mm. he's now trying to solve the case and he's got like a reporter there. And he's now friends with Gianna Bredzi, this reporter who photographs him. And now they're trying to solve a case. Yeah. So the guy's a fucking jazz musician. Yeah. But that's, like I said, yeah, that's... Stay in your lane. That's how it always works He's out. English as well. Mm. Like another... Some Ar- English Argento's guy. first movie, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which gets a bit of a reference in Suspiria. It's a very Plumage, similar story. Like it. It's just a ri- an American writer in Italy witnesses a murder, fully commits to solving the crime. Get out. Just leave it to these well-trained and professional police officers. Yeah. And go back to your little jazz hole. Do you think you would be enticed to try and solve a murder if you witnessed one? No. I would get rid of all my prints from the scene. <laughs> for stars. I would, I would mind my own business. If I, was, if I was in his position, I would have turned around and gone back into the bar and just minded my own business. It's a much shorter film. Well, you know what they say. They say silence is violence. Mm, I thought that was in relation to farts. <laughs> anyway, Marcus encounters his alcoholic friend, Carlo. Yes. They have a nice little chat. He, Carlo looks better than any of the alcoholics I've ever met, to be fair to him. Yeah, he's okay. He's, I feel like he's at that turning point, though. I don't know. There was one, I seem to remember seeing his face, and it looked really... He has a ton of makeup on, so I don't know. He, could, he looks a bit white-faced. What, you think he was a proper alcoholic? Maybe. Although, at the, uh, at the same time, it's like, you know, it's I the 70s. Know. I mean, almost this everyone. Gabriele, Gabriele Lavia. What happened to this young man? He's still alive. Good for him. For him. Yeah. He's from Milan. Film and theatre director. Yeah, so uh, Marcus has a chat with his friend Carlo, where his friend Carlo says, like, it's my mom. It's my mom who's doing all the murders. He doesn't say that. But, mm. You know. It's on his mind. If, uh, yeah. If uh, Marcus had been psychic, he has what he would have heard. But he wasn't. So then Marcus and Gianna... Who's a reporter? Again, there's no real setup of that. She's a reporter, but then there, there's like a one of the romantic scenes, which I could see why it would have been cut, where they're walking in a cemetery, and yeah. it's like they're now best friends or they're dating or something, and you're like, they par- apparently didn't know each other until mm. she took his photo at the crime scene, and now they're all chummy, and they're having like sort of flirty banter where they're talking about shagging, kind of. I don't are, get it. Are they talking about shagging? That's how I interpreted it. They're Italians. Yeah, fair. There's a, a, a certain point. Is it at this point where they arm wrestle? Might be. What's that all about? What's the arm wrestle? That's something I did write down is, what is the arm wrestling scene? Well, about? I mean... It, it, is it just playing against the, the ideas of 1975? It follows along from a very controversial statement that the main character makes where he, where he says, men and women are different. Yeah, well, that's sick and twisted, but thankfully we've moved past that. Yeah, exactly. We've realized that we're all the same now. 
But she, to be fair, she absolutely destroys him at arm wrestling. She does. Destruction. And he's a bitch about it as well. He's like, you moved your arm, you moved your arm. That didn't count. That didn't count at all. But she does him. I think, I I assumed it was just commenting on like misogyny at the time in Italian culture or something like that. I just think it's it's just banter. It's just just, just banter. But it also could be hinting that like, he d- he assumes that the killer must be a man and would never have been picturing a lady. Yeah, that's fair. Although, I mean, uh, you know, nine times out of ten in a jello, it's a lady. The part with this, uh, at this point here is like, this is where it started to become, I guess, plot-wise, a little convoluted, maybe a little unclear, mm. in that he finds out that, so this lady or, well, someone tries to break into... Uh, Marcus's house and tries to kill him. Yeah. But Marcus locks the door, which is a good protection system. If you just lock your door, then yeah, yeah, the yeah. killer says, I'll kill you sooner or later. And then just leaves, <laughs> which is quite funny. But then she also plays the, or the, the killer plays this children's song recording. And la, then la, they find la, in a la. book. Yeah. La, 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 la. And they find in a book of modern folklore that there's a haunted house where a child's song is heard sometimes. It just all feels a bit sort of. Eh. Yeah. It's and all. And Marcus reads the book and there's a photo of this house. All the stuff with the house, as I said, is great. But that, like that link, this is the part that's really tenuous. The link to the song, to the book, to the author of the book, which is the next place they go. That's the lady who gets drowned. Mm. So Marcus goes to visit the author of this book, but she gets drowned in scalding water. Yeah, it's pretty hot. And then Marcus goes and uh, investigates this big house. There's a thing with the girl, the daughter of the caretaker. She's kind of witch-like. Oh, yeah. There's like a lizard pinned to the ground or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dad says she likes to torture animals. Yeah, again, I think that was cut out of the original or of the whatever, if the theatrical cut, let's say. But so Marcus finds in this house, there's a lot of the house. There's a lot of that big house. He's like climbing up the side, trying to break in. Eventually under some rock, he takes like a, a layer of paint off and he finds that there's a mural of a child holding a knife over a dead body. Mm. And then there's this other guy, Giordani, who's been assisting Marcus. He goes to the author's house the one who was the one who was murdered in the bathtub and finds a clue written in steam on a oh, yeah. steamy wall which the clue says, is it's the, like a whole sentence the killer is the lady yeah, yeah. person and that's when giordani's back in his house he gets attacked by the horrible mechanized doll yeah which and is then very um, very scary and then teeth bashed out Mm, that's right. He does a bit of like biting the curb style action. Yeah, it's rough enough, isn't it? It's not great. And at the same time, Marcus is back in the big house. I had a look at that house on Google Maps. It's in Turin. Even like within the last two weeks, there's people, you can look at it on Google Maps, like people post photos and are like, it's the house from Deep Red, which is what I would be doing. Hell yeah. I'd be walking around the streets of Turin going, look at that. It's up on the hill. It looks really nice. Have you ever been to Turin? Nah, uh, maybe when I was a kid, but I, when I was in Italy last year, I never, I never went that way. That's where uh, Friedrich Nietzsche fought a, a donkey. That sounds like a, an interesting episode in his life. I look forward to that film. This is, and so Marcus 
knocks through a wall into this walled off room and he finds a desiccated corpse. Oh, I'd forgotten Is about that. that. Yeah. I suppose. That's the dad who was stabbed or something? Again, yeah. it's like, eh, where? And this is where it becomes the lines get a little bit blurred again, and you're not entirely sure as to what has happened or who's responsible because a fire starts. And this is where I assumed that the baddie was Gianna because someone comes up behind him and slams him, like knocks him over the head, and he's unconscious. And then when he wakes up, he's outside the house, which is on fire, and Gianna is like, has rescued him. I was later to the party on that. I thought that when he suggests going on holidays, <laughs> which is exactly what I would do in this situation, like let's get let's go on a holiday to France or something. Mm. Uh, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I thought, oh, we're headed for a finale where he thinks he's escaped, but it turns out it's her. That's what. Yeah, that's exactly that. I I guess that's what they're setting up. Is you're supposed to think that Jana's guilty. Mm. She's the baddie, and she's gonna try. She's doing all of this to get Marcus or something. She's and she's at the end. She's going to be like, "But I love you," covered in blood. But they didn't go down that route at all. So they did quite well to sell yep, it to the fair audience. Play. So then uh, Marcus and Gianna they find that the daughter of the caretaker has drawn this picture, which is identical to the mural in the house. And she says, "I saw it in the school archives." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's convenient. Yeah, it's this kind of detective work that I suppose people are talking about with the convoluted plots, really. But at this yeah, point, the film's fair. just great fun. Yeah, I like all of this. I, I thought that all this stuff was quite good. But then they go to the school in the middle of the night, and they find the drawing in a schoolboy's records, which reveals that it's Carlo. And so Carlo tries to... Carlo stabs Gianna and, and tries to kill... Man. Uh, Marcus before eventually getting chased away down the street he gets tangled up in a in a like in a rubbish truck in a garbage truck thing if and there's gets dragged along the street oh that's excellent run over by a car yeah that's great fun if there is like if there is a a folder somewhere with all the drawings I did in school it's just full of willies it's just a folder full of willies oh you're like uh Jonah Hill in Superbad Jonah Hill drew a lot of willies yeah so then that's it. The end of the film, basically. Marcus uh, finds out that Gianna has survived. She's okay. And he's back in the, the square where he, we saw him earlier, kind of outside his house. And then he realizes that, wait a minute, it can't have been Carlo because he was standing right here when I saw that murderer. And then he has the kind of epiphany he remembers about seeing the killer in a mirror because it wasn't a painting that he saw. And then he finds out that it's the lady that did it because she's she's gone mad. She was already sort of experiencing mental illness, right? Yeah, she seemed a bit daft when she, he visited her before. She, the, her husband wanted to put her into like a mental hospital or something, and so she stabs him. Yeah, la la. And Carlos been having a yeah la 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 la. Carlos been having a hard time of it. He became an alcoholic and yep. a musician, which is equally bad. The bar looks very uh, Nighthawks. Was my takeaway? Shite hawks. Shite hawks. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. So Martha, the old lady, gets her head chopped off when her necklace gets tangled in the lift. The end. Blood rolls. Deep red blood pools down. Credits roll. And that's it. Goblin music goes. She got her head cut off by the fucking lift. Do you know how much this this film took in? Three point seven billion lira. Yeah. What's that? It's about five dollars. Five pounds. <laughs> Three pounds. 
it was a big international hit, wasn't it? It made uh, over half a million dollars in the United States in olden days money. Yeah. I liked it. And I will watch it again, maybe, in the future at some point. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. There are certain elements of it, which, again, I mean, coming to Suspiria, I can see the influence in a lot of things. But Deep Red, I thought, got away with its sort of janky 70s-ness. But Suspiria really had a lot of, you and he were buddies, weren't you? If I'd seen it in English, <laughs> I would think I would have... Especially like maggots. It does, yeah. Maggots? Maggots? Maggots all over the floor of the post office in Leytonstone. <laughs> There's a lot and of And bits of sick. Of yeah, and piss and shit. <laughs> There's a lot of that kind of dark place. <laughs> Especially with the dubbing as well. The dubbing, you, you, there's so yeah. much of it. You can see how it might have influenced something like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. So from what I know of Suspiria, it was like Argento wanted just to wanted to stick with horror but get away from the convoluted detective uh, structure of uh, the previous shallow movies the things that made the genre famous like i mean he'd probably like and he would famously comment like years later when um i don't know the exact ter- what, exactly what he said but when he saw halloween he said ah shit i should have done that <laughs> something like that <laughs> um but anyway th- this was his direct attempt to get a- it was Inspired by a series of essays um, by Thomas de Quincey called uh, Suspiria de Profundus, which is apparently one of the foremost uh, works of literature of its era, but I haven't read it. So It's from 1845. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm be reading that. Hell Sorry. no. No pictures. Yeah. But I understand it's like just a series of uh, essays. My thing, like, okay, so first of all, did you enjoy Suspiria? Eh, I found it much harder going. I think... It is hard if going. If you say... Deep Red has a convoluted plot. Suspiria feels like it has almost no plot to me. The last 20 minutes of the film, I really enjoyed when it kicks into gear, but the revelations are like a sort of Rosemary's Baby, but without, like, everything that's come before it doesn't have the same weight. I don't Mm. care about anything that's happening in this school, and it has aged quite badly and looks a bit cheesy. Of the two films, this is the one that I could see being remade. So, and it did the 2018 remake, which apparently is not so much a remake, but as like more of a homage, a homage, homage. Uh, I again, would, I haven't no, watched. I, I didn't watch the remake. I didn't watch the 2018 one. I flicked through it as I like to do, and it looked very muted in comparison. This this uh, 1977 Suspiria. It looked beautiful. The colors are amazing. It's very acclaimed. But to me, it's like style over substance because there's just not enough there. Well, I think that's almost the idea here with it. I guess. And like, that's the thing is like, so I've heard people saying that the remake of Suspiria was pointless because the idea was not the plot. It was the style. Now, of the two films we watched this week, this is easily the more acclaimed one. This is a very famous film. People love this film. I watched it. People like Coldplay and voted for the Nazis. <laughs> That's a uh, Superhands, isn't it? Superhands says that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was the philosopher Superhands who said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't trust people, Jez. But yeah, I watched this like a few years ago. Just you know, try like it's one to tick off the list of horrors. And again, watched it with my younger brother. And unlike the the previous Jello that I'd mentioned, Blood and Black Lace, we were like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, not enjoying it at all. Just because I suppose we How many were. Times have you, is this the, have you seen it three times? Three times, yeah. I've seen this three times. 
Um, so the first time I was just like, I just wasn't into it. I couldn't appreciate it for what it was. I suppose I was looking to be scared and it's not scary. It's not a scary no, film. No, it's not a horror film in that sense. So I was looking for a scare and it did not deliver. I watched it a few years ago then in a cinema with um, with Belen and uh, like the style over substance thing, it did really pop out at me. I was just thinking, wow, this is really, really beautiful. And one thing that struck me that time and struck me again this time, as opposed to something like Deep Red, which gains momentum, this kind of starts with its biggest splash and dials down throughout. Like the biggest thing it has going for it, or at least the biggest set piece, is the opening sequence where she arrives at the academy and then the other lady goes away and the other lady gets murdered. Yeah, and that, again... As good as, because I watch these films in chronological order, Mm. so things in Deep Red that held up quite well for me, uh, you know, in terms of murders or scares or things like that, or Mm. that creepy doll that I mentioned. In Suspiria, immediately with that first murder, the green eyes of the witch or killer outside the window, I was like, what the (laughs) fuck is this? What's going on? And then big hairy hands, and then like a murder weapon, <laughs> like a hand with a knife coming from off screen. I was like, what is this? It's, yeah, it's yeah, a fucking yeah. dark place. I also, um, it is very dark place. And I also, yeah, I, ma- <laughs> I made a note of that because I hadn't noticed it before. Yeah, hairy hands. What's with the hairy hands? <laughs> what did you think of Not that? my fault, monkey bastard hands. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch Dark Place instead. I really have to watch Dark Place again. Yeah, but yeah. So like that that scene again. Uh, going for the style of her substance all the time. When she walks up to the front door of the school, I'm like, that's beautiful. This mm. all looks great. One amazing building. And then she's in the taxi driving away. You see the the lady who's freaking out, who's walking uh, walking along in a big in a huge storm. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is interesting enough. And then it just cuts to that crazy lady arriving at her friend's house. And then everything of that murder is just ridiculous. The whole next <laughs> 10 minutes is just awful. I enjoyed Goblin more in Suspiria. Yeah, the score is way better in this film, and mm. it fits. I think as a band, <laughs> I think as a band, they figured out what they were doing a bit better. Yeah, definitely. And they, also, they just got better. Are they just saying, which, which, on the score? <laughs> it sounded like that to me. And I, was I like, never noticed that. Yeah, but. okay. I'd probably I, be wrong. I, I, I like their score, even just like that kind of uh, mm. type aspects of it fit more here, fit a bit better with witchcraft. Now I'll um I'll I'll commit a bit of blasphemy here uh, and just say I enjoy the 2018 film a lot. I enjoyed it way more than this. I would watch it again. The soundtrack is excellent. Tom York did the soundtrack. It's also got for nudity in it, right? Yeah, there's lads out. There's an excellent sequence where some sort of where a lady's practicing a dance and some force takes over her body and she just ends up folded up like a box. It's per, it's particularly horrific. The um, What's her name? Tilda Swinton plays an old bloke. Plays three characters, actually, in the new one, I think. But I liked it quite a lot. A lot of people were very much against A lot of people are very precious about Suspiria. I ran I, out of time to watch it, but I would just... It was interesting, again, as I say, just flicking through the imagery of how muted it looked, but it looked way more up my, up my alley than the 1977 one. I quite liked it a lot, and I've heard a lot of film critics shitting on it. Um, I don't know where to go with that, because... Coldplay. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I. I really, really got. And I'm not a big fan. Yeah, of I, I his think, like stuff. you said, it's it's sacrilege. That's what it is. Mm. So like, you're not allowed to like the remake. It originally was going to be David Gordon Green to do the remake. Wow, which would have been, been a different that film entirely. Been very strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but he's proved i guess he's proven not maybe in a in the best of ways but like he obviously wanted to do some horror Mm. along the way he's had a weird career because he started out in very serious indie dramas yeah george and then washington he got hooked up yeah and then he got hooked up with the comedy boys like uh, pineapple express and, Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah all those guys and yeah. now uh, he's doing all the uh the halloween remakes have you seen any of the halloween well they're not their sequels but just the first one i'm not a fan i'm gonna call them remakes they're, they're like they kind of morph into like action i like the first one i thought it was fine yeah not a fan i suppose it's just like I don't know. I'm I worship at the altar of Halloween like how little there is going on but it's just you you apply like a master like John Carpenter to just the bare minimum of elements and what he can make out of it. I just so like you know the way they've got the they've got their kind of home alone sequence at the end of Halloween that I'm just like nah, this is not this is not my Halloween. I don't like it. I think uh, every film could be improved with a home alone sequence. That's why I like Skyfall. <laughs> anything anything with home alone action i i'm a like i'm not a massive fan of luke guadagnino's stuff anyway by which i mean let's see i suppose luca guadagnino i have luca guadagnino i'm not a big reading the fanatics i'm not a big fan of uh call me by your name and even though I, i i enjoy it in a way, but I just think Timothy Chalamet looks like a child <laughs> and Army Hammer looks like a man. And it just feels like a weird pedo movie to me, personally. Um, I haven't watched any of his films, Luca Guadagnino. But I, I, did, like, uh, I did like his Superior remake. I certainly liked it uh, more than uh, the original. Here's another one I enjoy more than the original. <laughs> this is one I do get crucified for. I, I really enjoyed the remake of The Lion King. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. I really enjoyed it. I thought something about, you know, the photorealistic animation. Like real life animals. Yeah, it just gave us bigger... You don't like animated films, though. It's not that I don't like them. It's that... You think they're childish. How can you say The Lion King is There are animated things that I like. There are animated things that I like. But when they try to get me to... When they do serious, like, adult subject matter, like with violence and sex and stuff like that, with animation, I just can't take it seriously. It just puts me at a distance. That's all. Like you were mad into Invincible, I think you are a child. <laughs> I think you're. I like all kinds of. Car- I like any cartoon. Really, I don't care what it is. I like all. Yeah, I like cartoons. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I watched Ren and Stimpy when I was a kid. Johnny Bravo. I did not care. I'm gonna have to come out and say I'm sorry. I didn't care for Johnny Bravo. Too Maybe sexist. I give it a chance. It was yeah, of its time. I just too Elvisist. Mm. Elvis. Uh, Elvis. What are you talking about? He looks, he's doing, he's doing like a whole Elvis shtick, Johnny Bravo. Yeah, yeah. You're just referencing hood, 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 things and you don't even know what's Hood, hood, hood. Do a monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I quite liked it. I like Johnny Bravo probably more than Suspiria. Uh, just shitting I did on think Suspiria that Johnny Bravo, I, to be fair, I did expect Johnny Bravo to come up in our discussion of Suspiria. That's one of the first things <laughs> You have I notes, do you? My notes was Johnny Bravo. <laughs> what can does I... that fit in? It's weird. How have I seen a film I really don't like that much three fucking times? This is well, ridiculous. one of the times because I made you do it. That's true. That's the kind of power I have using witchcraft. That's true. I was I was, like I was. This kind, was witchcraft. Even when I chose uh, Deep Red as my film, I was going. I bet he's going to pick Suspiria. I kind of had an inkling. Oh, I oh this told you. this was a film. This was a film where 
so I, again, I watched it dubbed into Italian, mm. and this was a film where it bothered me more that the characters were like supposed to be from different countries and in Germany, mm. and were all speaking <laughs> Italian in the version that I watched. I was like, "Come on now!" The, them being in Germany is kind of like, why? Why are they in Germany? What could does that contribute? Is that not? I think is that not something based on Argento's travels around? He went to a few yes. different places. And he was traveling around Europe. It's because of Rudolf the, Steiner, the isn't it? That's right. Something along them lines. I remember reading um, about. Where was him. Rudolf Steiner from? He's from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Something well, like that. He, he's like the and died in Switzerland. He was but, an occultist, right? The, this Rudolf Steiner yeah, fellow. Then he made a bunch of schools. There's one here in Edinburgh. There's a Rudolf Steiner school, Steiner schools, and it's Steiner, and it's for like musical students, music students. Huh. But he was a controversial social reformer and occultist, and he founded an anthroposophic community, whatever the hell that means. He looks quite like Jeremy Irons. He does look like he would have a deep uh, baritone voice, but speaking all Germany stuff, mm. saying all kinds of things, all kinds of anti-Semitic things out his mouth, no doubt. Initially, that's, just a, that's, that's a baseless accusation that I'm making against this poor guy. Initially, the characters in the films were supposed to be very young girls, which make of this what you will i think might have made it more interesting <laughs> okay I, yeah well, you could do we'll isolate like, isolate and send <laughs> to the authorities you could so, do like a, a, a labyrinth style remake of this make it into a kids film couldn't you all the fodder's there to make it a kids film yeah I, again the thing that came to mind watching this was like the witches and i felt what i watched that last year film. Yeah, I was like, oh, let's watch The Witches. Let's watch the old school Nicholas Rogue version of The Witches. Great movie. Way better. That's how I want to see witches. I want to see ladies who let their hair down. And that and film is scary. That, that is a scary reality. film. It is a scary film. Getting turned into a mouse. Or a painting. Not like, what about this? This, this again, like as I said earlier, is things that hold up in Deep Red and Suspiria look like shit. The dog attacking the guy in the square... Which would have been potentially a very awful. powerful scene, I think. Yeah. It's a good but idea. Then when they cut to just a, the image of a, of a fake dog going, ah. Yeah, yeah. A fake dog <laughs> massaging on a fake his neck. neck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then the bat. The bat oh, it looks yeah. like it's a very toy, dark shadows, like isn't it? Like a stuffed tie. It's not good. Like it is it literally dark up. shadows. What do you mean? The film with Johnny Depp? No, the original soap. Oh. Which I've see, seen I, I clips only of. Know, I only know Tim Burton versions of anything see i'm the only filmmaker i respect i get that i'm i'm on board with you has he abandoned johnny depp too now no come on yeah they'll never abandon him have you ever seen the film sweeney todd i have is it good i liked it yeah apparently it's very good all right well i don't know too much about the cast on this you'll be surprised to know i you're a disgrace i am a disgrace uh what can i say i am a disgrace there are some quite interesting people okay what do you know well, just on the things I read, the, the star of the film is Jessica Harper. That's right. From Chicago. I don't know what accent that is. But I'm trying something here. She appeared as uh, Susie Bannon, the main character. She's also in the, Sus- the Suspiria remake. She plays Anka Maya. That's right. She was. Is. But the role that I uh, respect her for is she played Anne Lively in Minority Report. Which one is Anne Lively? Is? Oh, is Anne that the Lively. lady in the house at the end? No, it is the mother of Agatha who gets murdered. Ah. You see in the in the uh, Minority Report in the Visions. Ah, that's pretty cool. God damn, I need to watch um, Minority Report again. 
I reckon she got, I'm, again, I'm basing this off of nothing, but I bet she got that role because Spielberg was like, I like Suspiria. Yeah, that's there's, fair. There's, there's no evidence for that, but it is scientific fact. I'm a big fan of her character in the 1989 film, Eat a Bowl of Tea. She plays American prostitute. <laughs> I heard she was very good. Very yeah. American. I, 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 I just thought it was a very affecting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, then also we have, uh, this is fun, we have <laughs> Stefania Cassini, who plays uh, Sarah, which is... She uh, was in 1900. Have you seen, you must have seen 1900. I, I haven't have seen it. 1900. Isn't and it I, like 400 hours long? It's a very, it's in two parts and both 317 both minutes. Are, are in, it's got are, Sterling Hayden in it. In excess, uh, yeah. But um, I want to watch that. It's really good. Five hours, 17 minutes. It's really good. If you put it up for a toss, I would... I'd look forward to that week, but there, that will be a one film week. I think it's fair to say if we yes. end up fucking watching 1900. I saw it years ago and I did quite enjoy it. Um, it was about, it was back in the day. I was watching like I watched Gettysburg around the same time as well. I was just wanted yeah. to watch big historical movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was in um, she was in uh, 1900, and I think it's also fair to say she was a hot piece of ass. Um, <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you the other people that stood out to me as as being noteworthy cast wise. Miguel Bose. Which one was he now? He's uh, a singer songwriter from Panama. He played Mark. Mark. Oh, the, the Mark, hot boy. the guy that yeah, the hot the hot piece of ass, the young mm. boy who's walking around. He's a guy the from TikToker. Panama. He grew up in a in a in an arty family from Panama. His family were friends with Pablo Picasso and Ernest Hemingway, which oh, is that's pretty fun. cool. Yeah. And he's uh, he's put out albums from like 1977 through to 2014. He's he's like a big Panamanian musician. Another interesting fella I thought was uh, Udo Kier. Oh yeah, that's right. He's got a very distinctive face. Yes, obviously. he does. I think he's like famous. He's got a, a, one of those faces. Yeah, but people have sought him out. Like he's scary what? seeing him as scary seeing him as like a young man. Mm. This is probably the youngest I think I've seen him. He has been in a million films if you go to his wikipedia page it'll take you a minute or two to scroll down at full speed the amount yeah yeah he's uh he's a big lars von trier guy yeah he's in dogville he's in a I bunch of those or no he's in, he's in a ton of them is he? he's in breaking the waves he's in uh manderley he's in nymphomaniac uh, melancholia he's in what's he yeah yeah melancholia the end of the world he won he's in he's in yeah he's in nymphomaniac he's in all of them he's he was in lars best. von trier he's in the house that jack built he was in. Uh, he went to Mar- He he is Lars von Trier. Yeah, pretty much. He was in that. He was also really in weird, uh, uh, Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine and Dragged Across Concrete. Was he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I definitely remember him in Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. Now he plays Placid Man. Hmm. Anyway, he um, was very placid. Is there anybody else? I tell you who's more interesting. Oh, go on. I tell you who's got a Dude. really really interesting is uh, Alida Valley, who played. Oh yeah. What's her name? This is Tanner. What's interesting about Alida Valley? The f- she was uh, Mussolini's, like one of his most favored actresses. He said, like she's one of the most beautiful ladies in the world. Nice. I, he definitely was, plowed her. He he called her one of the most beautiful women in the world. But by the time this film rolled around, she was like the she looked like the one from Austin Powers, Frau Farbissina. She had that like uh, send in the clones type <laughs> energy. Yeah, a little bit. So time will be harsh. And probably when Mussolini died, that's when it all went downhill for her. I mean, she definitely had sex with Mussolini, didn't she? It's not in her Wikipedia entry, but I can add it if you want. Yes, do. Okay. 
definitely got plowed. Change the quote from Mussolini uh, to like instead of <laughs> saying the most beautiful woman in the world, um, have, <laughs> have, 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 him, have him say she was the best piece of ass I've ever had, and I've had him all over the world. Okay, she I'm, was I'm beautiful. In, I'm in Wikipedia. I'm I'm editing this. <laughs> it's been good. The best piece. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna change most most beautiful woman to best piece of ass. <laughs> nice. It's the best. Best piece of ass in the world. Okay, let's go down and save. Publish okay. changes. Okay, I've refreshed. All right, go go hey! to your Wikipedia yes! entry. <laughs> yes, it's there. <laughs> I need to print the screen. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna change that back. I feel bad. I no, feel print like screen. I've, I've printed okay, it. well, okay. hurry up and print it. Okay, I'll change it back. I'll, I'm going to revert it. I'm going to revert it. I feel bad about that. No, I don't. I feel like I've just... Uh, that's terrorism. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's so... I didn't know how easy it was to do that. I'm so impressed. That is shocking. That's genuine. I, how can we take anything on Wikipedia seriously? Once We've me. learned an important lesson. She was one of the biggest the stars of the Italian film beautiful. during the fascist era, once being coined the best piece of ass in the world. <laughs> I feel genuinely bad about that. No, I'm reverting it. Andy, don't change it back. I've already changed it. Oops. The I've, most beautiful I've, 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 women <laughs> I've in the incorrectly, world. So was... I've incorrectly left it as plural. Let's yeah. see how long that stays up. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I've, yeah, I've, I've incorrectly altered the quote to be uh, plural instead of singular. People will just think uh, it's terrorism. You know, it was a foible in Benito Mussolini's English. That's all. I think what we've learned is we should not be going to Wikipedia for facts. No, that but that was so awesome there for a few minutes. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Theater of the mind, folks. None of this happened. It's all these are all just these are all just jokes. All right. Hell yeah. So um you wanna talk about the plot of Suspiria? Yeah, there's like a big school. Yeah, um, so this American lady lady who's speaking Italian in my version anyway. No, she's up. speaking English in mine. Um, Why did you make that decision? Was that I just assumed that the original uh, my was copy the wasn't Italian working, dub. so I went to one of our many streaming services and found it there on Filmin. But the the only options were watch it in Spanish or watch it in English. Hey, see that? See the character Pat. Her name's Pat Hingle. I don't know. That sounds like a Father Ted character. It does, yeah. <laughs> Pat Hingle. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> uh, you'd be a good person to get into roofing, you know. Pat Hingles, shingles, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be good. Be good. Anyway, so this lady, Susie, she arrives at this, uh, the Freiburg school in, in Germany where she's going to learn ballet. Um, yeah, and there's like... Baden-Württemberg. There's loads of rain. And then she sees another student running away down. in terror. So... Yeah, do you know who that was? It's Pat Hingle. It's Pat Hingle. Queen yeah, of the Pat shingles, flee, <laughs> fleeing the school. Yeah, and then Susie is refused entry, so she has to go stay in a hotel. And then uh, Pat, old Pat, Patty, <laughs> Patty goes to her friend's apartment and uh, tells her what there's something nasty happening. There's a beast on the loose. Yeah, there's something nasty happening at the school. And then she looks out the window and um, sees uh, a piece of paper with some eyes on it. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> she sees bad special effects. And yeah, she sees that. <laughs> and then a hairy hand pops in through the window. And uh, it was like... Awful, awful hairy hand on these babies this year. <laughs> Bashes. Uh, would you look at him there with his hairy hands? <laughs> This so, hair, you put the... the, the <laughs> all right, we'll stop. I'm going to stop with the Father Ted thing. Let's keep going. Anyway, yeah. So she 
the window gets smashed and then this <laughs> this hand comes in and smushes her face up against the glass, which is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> She's like... Ugh. Glass smashes so easily in these films. Yeah, This yeah, is yeah. like that sugar glass. Sugar glass, yeah. It just takes no pressure whatsoever and smashes. It's not... I tell you what, glazing in the 1970s in Italy and Germany... Not great. Not a good, people must not have been a good business. Cold a lot, I would say. There's these people, I think that is like the mafia at work. There's the, the level of glass corruption on show here is ridiculous. Anyway, she gets literally dragged out of the window uh, and put, taken up to the roof and then thrown through the skylight on a noose where she's already been stabbed to death. And then uh, her friend is yeah, also... Talk about overkill. A little bit, yeah. And then her friend is also killed by um, the debris, which is pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I, but that felt very, very silly. What, her, I wasn't even sure at first. It like her friend dying by getting hit by the glass is like stand back, <laughs> stand clear of the falling glass. Oh come on, it's a bit of crack. I mean, I'm fair enough. I'm a bit I'm of not a superior hater. Too seriously. Mm. Uh, then Susie gets to the school the next morning and she meets all the freaky deaky people, and she should immediately be suspicious because they're all kind of scary. And then, uh, so she meets her classmates, etc. And then she has a weird encounter with one of um, the school's matrons and um, their nephew, Albert, who's the weird effeminate boy. Is the matron and nephew, are they both witch-classy, witchcrafty type people? They're in on something, yeah. They're suspicious yokes. There's that weird scene where Susie walks into school and that matron lady, like, is polishing something or, and she's shines it towards Susie's face and Susie has like a sort of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. episode of holding her head. Like, <laughs> An episode of holding here? her head. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. Ah. Ah, um, she feels, feels faint. So then um, Susie, Susie faints during a dance class. Yeah, that's right. And then she gets kicked out. Which of- is not a good scene. No. I could imagine when you were describing the 2018 Suspiria dance scene of foldy limbs, that seems more up my street than just dancing around a little bit and then collapsing and then blood coming out of her nose. Do you know what? That's settled. I'm going to rewatch the 2018 one because I remember quite enjoying it. I'm remembering it well now and Tom York's soundtrack is genuinely excellent. Yeah. Tom. Is it just one song or does he do the whole soundtrack? No, he does the soundtrack. Ah. Okay. And uh, the ti- there's a title track as well that plays at the end credits that's really, really good. Suspiria. Yeah. yeah. That's my impression. Anyway, yeah, so then when she wakes up and she's had quite a day, the lady who she was going to live with in her apartment has thrown her out, which is a weird little bit of unnecessary plotting, but anyway. Uh, so do, she, do we even see anything more of Olga? Because Olga's the lady, nope. she's like, oh, and she call, she says, like a uh, sort of semi-bully, <laughs> hazing new oh students. Oh God, that's an awful sequence. You know when she says, people whose <laughs> yes. names start with S are snakes. Are snakes. <laughs> I, I watched that in Italian and I was like, I'm happy that this is in Italian and not English because it was cringy enough in a foreign language. So I can't imagine how bad it would have been in English. There's parts of Earth. the there's parts of the dubbing that are strange because you can see people moving with their Italian yeah. mannerisms and then speaking in English <laughs> and it just it doesn't work because nobody talks like that in English, you know? But anyway, yeah, yeah then she has to... They're a bit over the top. She has to live in the school, and then one um, one uh, night, uh, there's maggots on the ceiling all over the maggots? school. Maggots? Yeah, yeah. Maggots. 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 Nice. Uh, and then they have to all uh, sleep in sleep in the studio, uh, and there's, you, there's shadows on the other side of the curtains, and it quite reminded me of uh, 
Robin Hood uh, Men in Tights when he sings the song to Maid Marian and the sword looks like he has an erection. Classic. My memory of uh, Men in Tights is not as is not as strong as it should be. I'm Dave Chappelle's in it. That classic. I remember he plays uh, Azim. No, he does not play Azim. He says a chew. Something like that. A chew. A chew. That's and every it. time he introduces himself, people go, "Bless you." <laughs> right. That's racist. Classic. Love it. Anyway. So, I mean, they didn't get him to put on a dress, but they got him to put on tights, so that's half the battle, I'd say. Okay, so then during the night, a weird woman enters the hall, and they can kind of see her, and she's got a weird, uh, like, voice, and just sounds generally horrible and gross. Then, the next day, the school's blind pianist, his dog, attacks the little effeminate boy, and then... What's uh, that all about? What's that? Know. Why? Why do they do that with this? So the pianist, are they just trying to, like, get him out the way or something? No, I think he actually does attack the boy because do- because dogs know like a little, he's yeah. a little Satan. Dogs know, it's a you know, shy bag. Exactly. So then, in what is a really cool idea for a horror film, I think just have the dog turn on its owner and kill him. It's what happened when Daniel, especially was a blind guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, that was pretty cool. But as you said, it looks it it, it has not aged very well. That was filmed in Munich. That there bit, it's knowledge. Yeah, he was just walk that that big square with the old buildings. That's in Munich, apparently. Hmm. Never been to Munich. Would like to go get some lederhosen's. Anyway, Sarah then, uh, Sarah tells um, Susie that it was her who didn't let her into the school that night, etc. And then she reveals that Pat, the lady who got killed at the start, was um, was behaving weirdly before she died. And she says she's going to so- show Susie the notes she left behind. Right? But then Sarah finds that the notes are missing. And she has to run when somebody enters the room to chase her. They chase her, and then she falls into a big pit of razor wire, and her throat <laughs> what gets the cut. What is going on with that? Yeah, it's why a bit she, mad. Why does she jump? Are we? Or is it one of those things where you can't really show darkness on film? Are I, we supposed to believe that it's dark, and that's why she jumps directly into razor wire? Because it makes no sense. Do you know what's a strange one? Is that. And actually, I might get around to watching the sequel to this. Well, the spiritual sequel. It's none of the same characters or anything. But it's apparently very good. But it's like, this was made after Deep Red. What happened to the quality of the uh, death scenes? In Deep Red, they're quite good. One of the things, like a question that I wrote down for you is, why did Dario Argento become shy? That was my question. Is it just Sick Boy's unifying theory on life? Like one time you've got it, then yeah. you lose it, and it's gone forever. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We get old, and then we can't hack it anymore. But that Dario Argento, some like, of his solo uh, stuff's not bad. <laughs> it feels like it just went downhill for him. But this is this Again, is I, maybe I'm not his, familiar with any of his the rest of his films. This is maybe his most iconic film, though. You know, this is like I would this say is the one that people quote. Well, I'd say if if any if anybody happens to have seen just one. Argento film, this might be it nine times out of ten. It's it's very famous. It does look nice. Yeah, it does look quite but nice. That's it. I, li- <laughs> I like Suspiria. <laughs> it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Uh, anyway, so she dies in razor wire, gets her throat slit. Susie starts investigating, <laughs> talks to an academic slash psychiatrist who is having a weird sort of an outdoor party. The guy who she goes and sees, well, first she talks to Udo Kier, and then she talks to this old guy this who's geezer, like an yeah. expert on witches and a professor of the occult. His name is Professor Milius. Named for John. I think he's named after, yeah, do you think he's named after John Milius? It's possible. Why not? He must be, right? It's 1977. 
There was actually, that's actually another thing. Yeah, do you remember I was telling, like, they were all very familial. Like, an awful lot of um, characters in Italian films are named after people on the crew and cast and stuff like that, or mm. filmmakers and, like, different directors and stuff. Just for the crack. Well, that's, like, where they got, that's where they got Pat Hengel from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. He was, like, <laughs> he he was the, the best boy. Anyway, the academic more or less says, yeah, there's a witch in the school. That's what it is, really. Uh, so then when Susie gets back to, the sc- back to the school, she finds everyone has left. And then she's attacked by a bat, which is cool and effective that the school is empty. And then it's kind of ruined a little bit by the shitty bat. She gets attacked by a shitty bat, which is shitty, not because it attacks her, because it looks really, really bad. Like, it's, could it be more of a... a you know, a toy on a string, basically, yeah, would be my question. At times, like, you can see its mouth, and it has, like, fluffy white teeth. Yeah, it's... Like, it is a toy. It is a toy bat for a child. Anyway, she gets attacked by that bat, and um, then she follows footsteps to the lady's office, to Madame Blanc's office. Which, for office. me, all, that, all the rest of this, from here to the end, I liked. It was decent. So it was all good. I liked it when um, Sarah's with that. Uh, corpse reanimates and comes in all stabby. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. She remembers the words that uh, Pat uttered when she was um, running away, which was secret and iris, and she notices an iris on the wall and turns... She doesn't even remember that. She remembers directly Pat saying, turn the blue iris <laughs> in the office and there will be a passage to find all the witches. Yes. And then anyway, she enters in and we, uh, at just the right moment because she sees Madame Blanc saying, we have to kill that American lady. <laughs> she's not a good lady and we have to kill her. And she's eating some sort of weird thing that gives her witch powers also. And then big nasty Pavlos uh, starts chasing Susie uh, and she gets chased and she sees Sarah all caught up in the razor wire. Ooh, not good. And then she eventually gets into Helena Marcus's bedroom, who's the secret head witch, and uh, she finds Marcus sleeping, but um, and she recognizes uh, her as the, the person that she saw earlier in the film when they all had to sleep in the studio. Then <laughs> she accidentally... I saw you earlier in the film. She accidentally wakes her up by breaking a, a peacock with crystal plumage, which is a direct reference to Dario Argento's debut film, The Bird with the Crystal uh-huh. Plumage. Marcus I did think that was a silly choice. I mean, just in terms of like, you know, don't be clumsy at a key moment. Yeah. Again, I suppose a bit of crack, but like that wouldn't have yeah. been the thing that I would have had issue with, I suppose. But anyway, the thing that I would have had issue with is just next. It's the um, the way that she knows. So first of all, yeah, Marcus makes herself invisible and then reanimates Sarah's corpse, which is pretty cool. Sarah comes in all cut up, and but yeah. she's also stabby, trying to stab Susie. That looks Susie. good. Yes, that but what does up. not look good is the outline of the yes, invisible lady agreed. on the bed. I don't agreed. even think that there's. Is, I don't even think that's okay in the seventies. Quite frankly, you think that was tacky and shitty looking even then. It yeah. just it, it's not good. But I don't know the better way to do that. Maybe just have nothing. Don't even show the outline, and just I have her stab fresh air. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, or then like she a shadow or something cast. If she they could have cast a shadow on the bed or something. She then. Stabs her through the through the neck with a bit, a bit of broken glass, and then Sarah's corpse vanishes. And then Susie legs it out of the school, and the school goes on fire, and she runs away. And then the credits roll, and that's the end. The one thing I'll give this credit for is that it's ninety nine minutes long. Yep, it's not bad for a length. I was ex- I was worried that it might be closer to two hours. But I feel like the remake is definitely longer. I bet it is. 
I will not watch this again. I will seek out. I mean, I Ooh, have yeah. the remake ready to go. I'm sure I'll watch it. Remake is point. two and a half hours long. Oh, jeebus. Maybe but the thing, the, right, the, the remake digs big into the mythology of everything that's going on in the school. You know, it's not style over substance. It really goes for the substance. I just want a bit of plot. Give me some stuff. There, I, just, the, I want to know why Paddy Hingle's running around. Well, do you want uh, Tilda Patrick Swinton Hingle. to play to play three three characters? I want Tilda Swinton to be in everything. She is great. She's one of the goats. Hell yeah, Scottish. Well, not really. She lives in Scotland. She's not Scottish. Is she not Scottish? She lives up in yeah. She lives. Uh, she's English. She spent a long time in Scotland, though. She lives up in the town of Nairn next to Inverness. So if you want to stalk her, it's not difficult. Hell if you yeah. want to wear Tinda, Tilda Swinton's skin for a film role, I would recommend going to the north of Scotland. Well, uh, then that's exactly what I will do to uh, seek out Tilda Swinton. And on the journey there, I might watch one of two films. Segway. And what, you, what would those two films be? Well, I don't know. What are you bringing to the table? Well, I don't know how I made this decision because I guess we've thrown a lot of things up. We've we've put a lot of stuff up for the toss pick. And I can't even remember at this point what I have or haven't suggested. So at some point I thought like, well, maybe let's go for a dark comedy instead. I don't think I've seen this. If I have seen this, it was around the time when it came out and I was a child and I don't remember and it's the film Heathers from 1989, starring Christ Ian Slater. Oh, Christ Ian Slater, yes. And Winona Ryder, <laughs> yeah, no? That's his full name. Huh? And Winona Ryder, no? Yes, as my friend when we were kids called her, Winona, I want to ride her. He <laughs> Man, your friends sound like old. geniuses. He's 10 years old at the time as well. Wow, that's quality. She's got a bit of that manic pixie dream girl uh, going on, generally. She does, but mm. uh, more with a, a shoplifting element to it. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's quite an iconic film. I've never seen it. I would not mind watching it. Uh, what I'm bringing to the table is close to three hours long, but it's also supposed to be one of the best films of the last 10 years. So it's 2016's uh, German language film. Tony Erdmann, have you seen this? No, I think I put this up for a toss ages ago. Hmm. Am I breaking a rule? No, I think we should throw away all those rules. If there's a film you really want to see or really want to talk about, you just keep to keep paying out for the toss every week. That's exactly what nah, I shall do. I think do. it's fine. If if it's been long enough that we've forgotten even suggesting it, and if the other person wants to suggest it, then fine, no problem. There are no rules to this. We're just trying to get shit watched. Well, I've used this coin before, you'll be glad to know. It's a British 10 pence coin. Excellent. So it's heads or tails? Uh, give me head. You always say that. Congratulations. It's Tony Erdman. Hey, we're watching Tony Erdman. Excellent. Looking forward to it. I've got a copy of it ready to go. I had confidence in my pick this week. Okay. Have we any idea what we're watching next week? Well, you have to tell me what I'm not watching. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. What you're not watching. Uh, <laughs> I was going to uh, slap dash uh, Winona Ryder. Uh, a lo- what you call it? I was going to watch Girl Interrupted. I was going to put oh, that, put I that, that on the chat. cinema. I've never you, seen it. Have you seen it? No, oh, I've never right, seen okay. it. I saw, in the, I saw in the cinema. That's fine. I'm glad that we're not watching Heathers and Girl Interrupted. Sorry, Winona, I want a rider. Okay. I don't want a rider. What are we watching uh, alongside Tony Erdman? We're watching something that you've already seen. Okay. And I have not. 
It is uh, a film that in my mind is always connected to Tony Erdman because it's a German film that came out around the same time, maybe a year before. Do you know what it is? I've always seen them quoted together. Victoria? It is Victoria. Oh, very good. I love German one take crime thriller. Yeah, I thought you wouldn't mind rewatching that. Awesome. And I ain't seen it. So it seems like a good double bill. We're going to Germany, folks. We're done with Italy. I can't tell you exactly what I just Googled, but um, Winona Ryder has some lads, man. Okay. (laughs) Good for her. Yes. She's a respectable middle-aged woman now. She is, yeah. She's in Stranger Things, which I haven't watched. She is. Me neither. All right. Well, uh, Well, what are we going to watch next week? That's the thing. What's the new movie? What's out? Nothing. I'm going to have a look. Nothing in the cinema. Is there nothing in the cinema? Let's see what UK cinema releases. Uh, I'll tell you what's in Blockbuster, what just appeared in Blockbuster, and uh, I've watched a little bit of it, is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I've, uh, I, I re-watched a little bit about this. Oh, I'll see what's uh, UK cinema release for next week. No, it's not for next week. It's for the week after, but it doesn't really matter because this is available on Blockbuster. Is uh, The Worst Person in the World. Oh, yes, let's do that. Should we do that? Okay, then. So for next time round, we'll say The Worst Person in the world, the Joachim Trier 2021 Norwegian film? Yeah. Something like that? It's Norwegian. Some kind of... Might be the first Norwegian film I ever of... watch. Well, I watched a Norwegian film last year in uh, Norwegian. <laughs> oh, yeah, at a film festival. At the Zurich Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On so behalf of the podcast. my first Norwegian film, but it is my first Norwegian film that will have English subtitles. Well, um, God bless. Ja bless, and... Uh, Shout out to Mussolini's piece of ass. Hell yeah. I have that print screened and on paint. It was <laughs> okay, awesome. Good, because I actually reverted it from plural to singular. That's how bad I felt about that terrorism. All right. Well, cool beans, dude. I'll talk to you next week. I love you. Bye-bye. I love you too. Bye.